Hello and welcome to Britcom Goes to the Movies. We are back. Now, usually we would be talking about a British comedy movie that has its genesis in television, but this is a special and we are going to do something a little bit different. Guy, what are we going to talk about today? So today we are looking at Britain's best sitcom poll from 2004. We've mentioned this a couple of times in previous episodes and we thought, why not get into it? Because I think we've both got strong feelings on this list, haven't we, Rob? We have, and that poll is now 20 years old. So a lot of stuff has happened since. It would be interesting to kind of posit as to which sitcoms might have, if they were to do it again today, which which sitcoms might usurp some of those in the top 10. And then also what our top 10 is, because, well, spoiler alert, mine looks very different to the British publics of 2004. Yeah, mine too. I think there's only one or two from this list that would make it into mine. I don't know about yours, Rob. Uh, yeah, just the one, I think, before uh, before we get too into it. But do you uh, you remember this show, don't you, Guy? This was on when we were at university, um, and I remember it being a kind of, well, they, they started with like a top 50 countdown, didn't they? And then they broke down, or sorry, from, from 50 to 11, and then they broke down the top 10, didn't they, in more detail? Yeah, they did. So it was January 2004 when this launched. And I remember watching it each week. Maybe I, I certainly watched the last one and maybe I watched the sitcoms that I enjoyed because each week you'd have a celebrity talking about why you should pick this sitcom. Yeah, there were celebrity endorsements for each of the top 10, weren't there? And I, I misremembered some of them. I think in a previous episode uh, or or an episode that's about to air, let's say, I've talked about... um. Phil Jupiter's going into bat for porridge, but he didn't, did he? He was dad's army. And, uh, was it Johnny Vaughan? That Johnny Vaughan. For porridge. Yeah. Guy, what, what more have you got about the, uh, the Britain's best sitcom show? Yeah. So like, like we said, we had 10 episodes, one each week, an hour in length, and it would be a celebrity would advocate for a particular sitcom. So the, we had the launch episode with Jonathan Ross and then we had Blackadder, I remember with that launch episode, watching it and thinking, oh, well, nearly all of my favorite sitcoms have been in this episode. So how much <laughs> of the rest of this series am I going to watch? I just remember at the time being so furious that they couldn't consider that Red Dwarf and Men Behaving Badly should be in the top 10. Blackadder was the first one with John Sargent. Then he had Faulty Towers. Jack D was advocating for that the good life with Ulrika Johnson which sounds like a tv show in itself <laughs> or a uh, or a male fantasy from the mid 90s yes exactly ah, the good life with Ulrika Johnson <laughs> uh yeah anyway moving on uh yes minister was Armando Inuche one foot in the grave was Roland Rivron porridge was Johnny Vaughan um Only Fools and Horses was David Dickinson the host of Bargain Hunt who <laughs> Was a bit of a wheeler dealer. <laughs> a, a, a university favourite bargain hunt. Yeah. Open all hours with Clarissa Dixon-Wright. Do you remember who Clarissa Dixon-Wright was? One of the two fat ladies. Oh, the TV chefs. TV chef. And I believe aunt of Alexander Armstrong. Oh, didn't know that. Um, moving on to The Vicar of Dibley with Carol Vorderman. And then finally we had Dad's Army with Phil Jupitus. We've talked about... Phil Jupiter's, haven't we, on the, um, uh, on the Mike Bassett episode. Mm. And he is, well, I, I believe he is, um, friendly with a couple of the guests we've had on here. So Phil, if you're listening, we'd love you on the show. Yeah, please come on. 
Did any of those celebrities win you over in their arguments or make you want to mo- watch more of these shows? I remember the John Sargent Blackadder episode and thinking, yes, I want to watch more Blackadder. I think it's like my, my kind of feelings on Blackadder haven't changed much since that point, really. In, in, no. in that I really do like it, but only certain series. And I think that's probably how most people feel. Yeah, definitely. I think series two and series four are, of, are the obvious you know, gold standard and season three, series three's fine. And mm. series one isn't very good. My dad prefers series one, weirdly, which some people do. I, you don't find many, but. Can you, can you remember any of these uh, episodes particularly? I do. I remember the, I remember the final episode where they're all kind of doing their last arguments. Mm, me too. Carol Vorderman's was all about Vicar of Dibley, you know, which is a, a a, a very good point. Vicar of Dibley is the only one out of these 10 that, that has a female main character and nearly mm. all of the others are only men. Yeah. I mean, definitely Porridge, definitely um, Yes Minister, Dad's Army. Dad's Army. Yeah, exactly. And it's only later in Only Fools and Horses do you get prominent female characters in that. Yeah, exactly. Although I did think they were well well-written female characters, but uh, One Foot in the Grave, you've got um, obviously Margaret, Open All Hours, the, oh, I can't remember the name of her, the, the nurse who comes round. Oh, uh, yeah. yes, I can't remember her name. But it was a good point, and it obviously carried a lot of favour because it, it lifted the results of the amount of votes that that got to probably higher than it <laughs> than it should have been. Yeah, well, let's let's have a quick run through the list and see what we think of of the the final results mm-hmm. of it. Because at number ten, one foot in the grave. I, I mean, I'm I'm happy for that to to be in that position. That seems like a quite an accurate reflection. And I do love one foot in the grave, and I do mm. want to go back and revisit a lot more of it. And you know, maybe we will. There, I've got the box set and did revisit it a few years ago, and it was. I mean, there's there's so many bits that stick in the mind that I can still well, reminisce and still make me laugh now. The bit that always gets shown is the picking up the dog, thinking it's a phone, and that's still uh, that's one of the best bits of visual comedy in British sitcom history for my money, mm. and it, that will always make me laugh, out of context, in context. Yeah, I always remember the one where he's trying to dry his trousers on the radiator and he's rubbing his crotch on it while the, the new neighbour comes round. And that just, just a funny, yeah, just a funny visual. But there's so many bits like that. So yeah, I think One Foot in the Grave is fine at number 10. The Good Life at number nine. I'm a bit meh about The Good Life. I, I, don't, I don't begrudge its popularity, but I don't really... It, it doesn't feel like a standout sitcom for the ages. No, and I think we've seen that with the way sort of history's gone. It doesn't really get mentioned as much as it, it did. It did probably up until this point because it was still regularly repeated on. Mm, it used to be on BBC on Two, on BBC a lot. Two, quite a lot until around the kind of mid noughties and now it's just kind of disappeared from TV quite a lot. I just, th- I, I just think it was a bit of a war, a warm, cuddly favourite. Yeah, it's, it's very safe, wasn't it? I think that's, I think that's the thing. It just feels a bit twee and a bit safe. I did think. Penelope Keith was very funny in it. Open All Hours at number eight. Just, I don't know, it just feels a bit meh. It's, yeah, I mean, again, I haven't watched it in a long time. It's, I believe, 
that that shop is based on a shop from my hometown uh, called Ridderford's in Thornbury, which um, I think uh, Roy Clark, it was Roy Clark that wrote Open All Lives, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, Roy Clark wrote it. He had happened across on a visit to the Southwest and just found it fascinating. Uh, the fucking stammer is is annoying and, and a little bit offensive. And just the two of them doing kind of Northern accents. I don't know. Well, I, I d- yeah. What do you think about that? Being being an actual Northerner. Ronnie Barker's is better than David Jason's. David Jason's feels a bit more cartoonish. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, I think Ronnie Barker's is, is quite, is actually quite good, but no, it just, again, it just feels dated. It just feels something so old hat and so of its time, but not in a good way. Yeah. Number seven is porridge. Yeah, which um, obviously, well, um, spoiler alert, it's going to be episode one of our second series. So we'd, we've been talking about porridge quite a lot recently and I've enjoyed revisiting it. Uh, and mm. again, yeah, don't begrudge it, its position there. It's definitely the better Ronnie Barker sitcom. So it, yeah. it deserves to be above Open All Hours. I would say that you don't need two of them in the top 10. One or the other. No. Well, no, not one or the other. Porridge. <laughs> just porridge if there has to be a ronnie barker sitcom yeah exactly yeah it's great you've got great cast ronnie barker richard beckinsale it's really well written i was talking about brian i talk about brian wilde in our um porridge episode with, who i just think is just brilliant yeah porridge it's a great sitcom it's got that edginess about it the early 70s and the prison and everything yeah it's great and, so, and more 70s be... as well so that's three out of the four we've mm. just profiled are from the 70s and then we go into the 1980s with Yes Minister. Yeah. And again, like we talked about Yes Minister when we um, did our Nuns on the Run episode and we're both big fans and definitely mm. deserves its place in that top 10, I would say, although it's not in mine. <laughs> it's not in mine either, but I still think it's great. And I think one thing we'll, we'll probably see is, and I think with this list, is that I think it counts of what you've grown up with maybe. Yeah. And I think I imagine a lot of people voting in this. These were the things in the last 20 years that people will have watched that were. Exactly. You know, number five, one of my fa- favorite sitcoms of all time, Faulty Towers. Yes. I mean, you can't argue with that there, can you? You, you can't argue with that being in the top 10. No, I think it should be higher than number five for me, but that's my personal preference on that. I'm going to keep my powder dry. With the, cool. where where it falls on my personal preference. Uh, number four, Dad's Army. Yeah, well, so in its proximity to Faulty Towers, it probably shouldn't be above Faulty Towers. But again, it's just mm. such a favourite, isn't it? And it's regarded, like, I remember when, you know, I've talked before about when I interviewed John Fortune for my dissertation, and he called it the best sitcom of all time when we were talking about situation comedies. And so I guess for a generation of people, it is considered that. And not for me, I've watched it twice all the way through with my dad. And I think second time, I mean, that's more than enough now. I don't need to go back to it. It's fine. I like the Captain Mannering character, but again, it just, mm, it, it's not, it's not a favorite. It lives or dies on Captain Mannering, doesn't it? And he, yeah. he, he is a brilliant character and a brilliantly portrayed character. Yeah, exactly. That's it. It just feels a bit slight going back to it, but I think that's because comedy's changed so much. And this was a comedy, you know, from what the late sixties, it's not, you know, we're not getting Monty Python or Peter Cook and Dudley Moore, are we? It's 
something for everyone. At number three, we've got the Vicar of Dibley. We both made our thoughts known on the Vicar of Dibley, didn't we, when we talked about love, actually. Although, let me state unequivocally that the Vicar of Dibley is a much better piece of work than love actually is. Um, yes. It's just not for me. I can appreciate it, but it's it's... You were talking about Twee with regards to The Good Life earlier. Vicar of Dibley is very much that. Yeah, it is. And I think, I can't remember if I made the point on our Love Actually episode, but watching that Christmas episode didn't make me want to watch more of The Vicar of Dibley. So you've got Blackadder at number two, which obviously has got the Ben Elton influence well, I, as well. I think this is a very much, it, this is a before and after Four Weddings and a Funeral, Richard Curtis, isn't it? Because Blackadder and mm. Not the Nine O'Clock News are very different, uh, different uh, very different examples of his work than Vicar of Dibley, I feel, is directly informed by Four Weddings and a Funeral. And then so is all the rest of his work after that, because it was yeah. such a success. But Black, Blackadder for me and Not Nine O'Clock News, definitely Richard Curtis' best work. Yeah, And as we say, two and four are the series of Blackadder for me. Yeah, I uh, yeah completely agree. And I get excited every time they might talk about another Blackadder series, but it's probably best being left where it mm. is. It's perfect. At number one, Only Fools and Horses. Everyone's favourite. And always, I don't know, I'm pretty sure if you did this poll again now, it would probably still come out top, wouldn't it? People, it's such a kind of national treasure of a uh, of a sitcom yeah if it didn't it would be high up i think it's i think it's the one maybe the one maybe two sitcom from this list that would still make it to the top 10 now yeah i mean i think i mean it depends who would go out and vote doesn't it but um go out (laughs) who would who would (laughs) who would bother to vote but if you had yeah an older generation i mean lots of people of our age love only for well <laughs> look at me saying we're not the older generation <laughs> <laughs> um we're still we're still young um we are only falls in and, our 30s yeah but lots of people are, of our age still love only falls and horses and probably yeah. would regard it as their favorite but then below our age demographic then i think you'd have a massive drop off i was chatting to um one of the girls at work and she's probably what mid twenties and she was saying her and her partner had just watched it. So there are people still, and she said that they loved it. So it just shows, I think that people, I don't know. I mean, that's just one person, but it obviously has keep going, but how many people, cause there's so much memorabilia as well. Yeah. You know, you go all these places and you know, there's, there's the car, like models, cushions. It's, it, also. it forms a big part of a lot of kind of national identity of, of kind of certain um groups of people as well doesn't it and it is still very popular and again looking at the amount of votes in 2004 342,500 ish um which is you know about 60,000 more than blackadder in second and uh 300,000 more than the good life <laughs> in ninth so <laughs> i think it was un- unequivocally the favorite then Maybe we can pause it mm. once we've got to the end of our top tens, whether uh, what would challenge it as being, because I think if you, if you redid the poll just with those 10, it would still come out number one or yes. just, just with every sitcom up till 2004, it would still come out number one. It's 
whether any of the sitcoms that have been popular since then have remained kind of popular enough to be a favorite yeah i think i think you're right i think it would be more modern but i think there are a few i think only fools and horses and blackadder would would make it to the modern day list i don't know how many others would maybe 40 Forty towers. towers yeah I'd, yeah i thought that would so i guess that's a good time to get into what would make our own top 10 well so yeah and before we do that i was kind of positing on how our two top tens would differ i you're much more of a kind of classic comedy fan than i am not not mm. that i'm not but you you are more of a an expert on on that era so i i kind of felt like yours would have more kind of new uh but sorry more older sitcoms than mine would i'm not sure there's a bit of a curveball i think in there and i'd say that other th- there's two that go prior to what the nineties and then it's quite current. I think is, is mine. So we were also having a discussion about some things that kind of blur the lines as to whether they're sitcoms or not. So mm. when, when, let's talk about some honorable mentions. And in that vein, I felt like I couldn't put Garth Marenghi in the top 10 because, or, or even in the list because I don't wouldn't really class it as a sitcom because it has all those elements. But then, you know, something like The Young Ones is definitely a sitcom. Something that's really, really recent, as in it's from last year, Such Brave Girls. I loved it. And I was seriously considering putting it in the top 10, but because because there's only been one series and it's so recent, I was like, wow, it kind of, that's too much recency bias if that goes in the top 10. And a, and a sitcom that it reminded me of that I absolutely loved that has just missed out on my top 10 as well is Pulling, the Sharon Horgan. Oh, yeah. I still think is the best thing Sharon Horgan's done. And it's one of the funniest things and has some great comedy talent in it. What are some of your honourable mentions, Guy? I would say Derry Girls. Yes. I just love watching that. And I think that that final episode as well, where they, you know, about this, I love... I love how they managed to have this sort of quite broad comedy at times with this undercurrent of what's going on within the country at the time. It was, it was a big surprise to me how much I enjoyed Derry Girls. Um, and it, it's, it's a perfect example that not every sitcom has to be, not every modern sitcom has to be really edgy and really trying mm. to push uh, the, the envelope for, for new ways of, of doing things. It's, um, it's got just about, the right amount of kind of warm fuzziness to it and it's is laugh out loud funny one that i loved which was yeah not not one that people talked about much which was phone shop on e4 was just really summed up a, a period in time and i just found it really funny it was one of those sitcoms that i don't know really worked for me i never really got into it i think i maybe i didn't give it enough of a chance but it certainly had a lot of people i like in it uh, but yeah, maybe maybe I should uh, go back and revisit Phone Shop. And then one that I rewatched recently, which um, was Mum with Leslie Manville. My partner loves Mum, and I haven't. I think I've seen like one episode of it. So I yeah, I need to get to the bottom of that. I, I'm just looking at some others that I've that I kind of didn't really rank, but I put kind of lines through on my list. Things like uh, Catterick. British Empire. Yes. I, I mean, only because I haven't seen it in so long. I used to love it so much. 
Um, bottom didn't quite make it. A low, a low, a low, a low for a long time was there, and I was like, I just don't, <laughs> I just don't like it enough for it to be. Do I really like it more than some of the things that are in the top ten? Um, oh, a, a big hitter that's not made my top ten. Forty Towers. As much as I love oh. it, I think that would have been on the cusp. That would be somewhere between eleven and fifteen. I think for me, it just not yeah. quite. Uh, and then other things that we've mentioned in the first series, things like Royal Family and the Inbetweeners, just missing out. And Derry Girls. Yeah, the same with me. So things like Gavin and Stacey, um, Red Dwarf for me, just missing out. I love the Mighty Boosh and that's not made it. You know, there's Black Books again, yeah, another Black, one. Black Books was on my list that, that got crossed out. Uh, the closest thing that... Um, Chris Morris got to uh, writing a sitcom. I suppose Nathan Barley. That was that was on mm. my list, but yeah, not quite top ten. One of the classics I'd say was the Ripping Yarns, Michael Palin and Terry Jones. It was more of an anthology. But I absolutely loved that, and I just missed out on the. I guess that would go in the sort of classic kind of older sitcoms of of more recent ones as well from the last ten years. Uh, something that I've been rewatching again recently, actually, which uh, I enjoyed first time round was Uncle, and uh, I would say I'd, that would probably be top twenty, certainly top thirty. Mm. Yeah, um, two more for me. I'd like to mention Early Doors. Yeah, the um, Craig, Cash. Craig Cash. Yeah, sitcom about setting a pub with John Henshaw as the landlord. Absolutely loved that, and those characters so well observed, and him and her. Well, shall, shall we get into our top tens then? Um, maybe, yeah, may, let's do maybe it. We'll, maybe we'll play a clip. <laughs> should we do it after this? <laughs> he loves Sal Joseph. The governor! Mammy. You take the piss out of Jolson again, and I will remove your iPod from its tiny nano sheath and push it up your cock. And then, and then, then I'll, I'll plug some speakers up your arse and put it on it on a shuffle with my fucking fist. And every time I hear something that I don't like, which will be every time that something comes on, I will skip to the next track by crushing your balls. Guys, should we start with your number 10? Yeah, let's do it. So I went for, at number 10, Fleabag. Oh, controversial. This would be nowhere near my list. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not a fan of Fleabag. Prefer Fleabag to all of Phoebe Waller-Bridge's other stuff, but uh, I'm generally not a fan of her work. Again, that's not to say that it that it isn't that it isn't good. And you know what do I know when everyone else loves it? But not for me at all. Oh, absolutely, yeah, I loved it. I watched it from the first episode. Just really, what I like the way that what it does with the farm. Obviously, she's not the first person to do the whole breaking the fourth wall thing. Although a lot of people seem to attribute it to her, but I just thought it was great. I thought the writing was excellent. I've read the book of the scripts. You know that episode at the start of series two, which is all set in the restaurant. Just like the light and shade of it, I think you know you got these darker elements. Um, Andrew Scott's brilliant as the priest, and then the final scene in the final episode is just devastating and yeah brought brought a tear to my eye i have to say so i really got invested in fleabag uh yeah i'm sorry to be so dismissive of it i mean on the plus side it's nowhere near as bad as her earlier sitcom crashing which is Mm. one of the worst things ever made well that's one of the things that yeah i wanted to say was that after watching crashing i had no idea that she was going to go on and do fleabag which would feel 
so personal, whereas Crashing just felt a generic sitcom on Channel 4. Good work from in Fleabag from Olivia Coleman, obviously, who's brilliant and everything, and uh, and Hugh Dennis as well, I think is uh, is great in, in Fleabag. But yeah. Yeah, and I also wanted to mention, sorry, I also wanted to mention Sean Clifford as Fleabag's sister Claire, who I think is like the, the MVP of that show for me. But Well, she, I mean, she's... She certainly is an MVP in terms of everyone wants to have her in their stuff now these days. And it's like, she turns up in a lot of, a lot of films and TV programs now and uh, good on her. Definitely. So Rob, your number 10. My number 10 is, did it, did it, did it, did it, Phoenix Nights. Way. I love it. I mean, if we'd have done this even 10 years ago, I think this would have been much higher up, but it is, it's so funny. I don't, I don't, I think probably because I don't watch it regularly, you know, there are some of my favorite sitcoms that I will watch every year. And mm. th- this one, I kind of, I've, I've probably watched all the way through about maybe four or five times over the course of the last 20 years. It, it's, it strikes such a cause. And I was, I was a bit worried when I watched it again recently that it might be very of its time as a lot of things from the early noughties are, but it, it really is. It is still as achingly funny. I mean, it has some infinitely quotable lines. I will always do the, uh, like a Kennedy funeral, set your watch by my ass line all the time. <laughs> all the time. Uh, it's certainly the best thing Peter Kay's ever done. And you could see kind of following Phoenix Knights when you kind of take his creative collaboration away uh, away from Dave Spikey and Neil Fitzmaurice. It's very much mm. a collaborative effort. And then you go with the same characters, you go, he goes and does Max and Paddy, which just fell off a cliff in terms of how funny it was, how well scripted it was. Um, mm. those, those three, although they seemingly couldn't stand each other, wrote two of the best series of sitcoms ever for my money yeah i've got a feeling it's going to be on your list as well is it yeah it's on my list it's it's higher so i'll i'll save what i think on phoenix nights for now my number nine is the league of gentlemen and this is the one that i had difficulty on whether i should put it in because i don't i always classed it as a sketch show but everybody else seems to class it as a sitcom so i thought i'd follow the crowd and put it in as a sitcom i i think i would class it as a sitcom uh, because there there are recurring characters and there there is some kind of plot development isn't there with those recurring characters but kind of in in the same way i suppose you could say is things like um harry enfield and chums you know well we're going to talk about kevin and perry at, at some point and like something mm. like that those <laughs> those sketches all kind of progressed on from each other didn't they and the character the characters yeah. grew but th- this was much done much more in a sitcom style i would say I'd, i'll give you that it's a sitcom it would it would just miss out on top 10 for me but yeah i do love it i mean for me it just sort of changed the way i saw comedy i think at that time never watched something as dark as that and so everything before it you know i was used to watching what red dwarf men behaving badly and friends and then after that point i couldn't watch friends any longer because it was just too broad laughter track i mean the gentleman had a laughter track but it just felt so personal so dark so much of its sort of time and place that 
it was almost like that year zero that people talk about with punk and the sex pistols where it's like, how can I go back to watching this when I've just been watching the madness of Royston Vesey? And of course, yeah, Royston Vesey, obviously named after Roy Chubby Brown's real name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which I loved. I uh, love him turning up as the mayor of Royston Vesey as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. A lot, lots of quotable lines, lots of brilliantly long lasting characters. Yeah. I do, I do, I do love it. And big up the, uh, they technically went to the University of Huddersfield as well, didn't they? Yeah, they did up at Bretton Hall, which is in the York Sculpture Park, which I've been, been through. So yeah, they're alumni with us, Rob. Yeah, represent. Represent. <laughs> What's your number nine? My number nine is Blackadder. We've mentioned it. And it was the one of the kind of classic sitcoms that I felt deserved a place. And it, it's a weird, it's a weird one. And it's not the first example of this in my top 10, but it's one where I actively don't like two of the, one of the series. And I think like you said, three is passable, but just, just mm. not memorable, but two and four are both stone cold classics and perfect sitcoms. Yeah. Um, and it's all of those people at the peak of their powers. I feel like it's, it's, the best thing Rowan Atkinson's done. It's the best thing Tony Robinson's done, definitely, or made Marion no. Um <laughs> the, the, probably the best thing Fry and Laurie. I, I did love a bit of Fry and Laurie, but probably the yeah. best thing those two have done as well. Um and so yeah, I don't and it's it's just an institution as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. And you get the guests that you get Miranda Richardson, you got Rick Mail popping up, you know, it's so well done. I mean, that particular second series and obviously the, the, the fall series with the end, I think for me, it didn't make the top 10 because of those other two series, which would be the same for something like Gavin and Stacey, the third series mm -hmm. in between us again. So for those, they stopped those sort of sitcoms getting in the top 10 for me, but Blackadder, best thing Rowan Atkinson's done. I'm not really a Mr. Bean fan. You know, for me, it'll no. always be Blackadder. And, and you know, when it's at its best, it is one of the best sitcoms. Well, I, I, I've got a sitcom later on in the list that actually has more bad series than it does good. But I think you probably know what I'm talking about. But, but we'll get yeah, to that yeah. when we talk about it. Um, What's your number eight? Number eight is the one that won Britain's Breast sitcom poll back in 2004. It's Only Fools and Horses. So this was a sitcom I just loved growing up. One of probably like the first comedy show I remember getting into. And it also had those, but I think it really like hit its stride. It was good up until, but when it up until like, was it season six, season six, but it, it really hit its stride when it got those longer episodes and it could work on the character development a bit more. And I think away from what people talk about, you know, the chandelier falling or going through the bar, it had really kind of darker moments in as well, like granddad's funeral and Rodney and Cassandra like splitting up on one of the Christmas episodes. So you had this nice bit of light and shade there, but also like hilarious moments. And I like the characters. I like spending time with those characters and sort of all those people getting along, but falling out. And yeah, the, the central performances are great, aren't they, as well from David Jason, Nicholas Lindhurst. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with all of that. And who am I to argue with the great British public of 2004 and probably still now? Um, but yeah, hasn't, hasn't made my top 10. Mm. Uh, but I tell you what has at number eight, keeping up appearances. There's probably people like face, 
face parting. Yeah. Okay. How, how can you on one hand say that Only Fools and Horses is not in your top 10 and then Keeping Up Appearances is? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> I, I would say Hyacinth Bouquet is one of, one, one of the top 10 greatest comedy characters ever created. Uh, and Patricia Outledge is one of the best comedy performers this country has ever produced. That it's so whilst being slapsticky and and silly, it still manages to be bitingly accurate what it is to want to be a social climber in this country. And mm. it's still a thing and it always will be a thing. And now that is in the lexicon. You can refer to any one of your friends who's trying to be posher than they are as Hyacinth Bouquet. I love all the other characters, particularly Onslow, after uh, whom I named my cat, who is, uh, well, he was just sat next to me, but he's uh, he's moved. Uh, I love keeping up appearances. I'm guessing it didn't make your top 10. I've never seen it, Rob. <gasps> yeah. I've recently been showing it to my seven-year-old son and he finds it i mean even just if you're just a fan of slapstick it's brilliant she's such a great physical comedy performer mm. yeah I've no, no the, i've never the, seen the it on the, on the phone to her son that you never see there's a good uh channel five did a they've done this quite a lot with a, a few of the classic sitcoms they did a a talking head documentary on it which I think you can mm. find on demand. And I, I would suggest watching that first and then maybe kind of handpicking some episodes that you want to watch. I need to watch it. I remember, I think it's because my parents did, either didn't like it or didn't watch it. So it didn't mm -hmm. transfer over. And then by the time I was probably getting into watching stuff on my own, it had kind of gone. Yeah. And I never kind of found it from, from that point. So yeah, for some reason it just passed me by, but it's one that I think I need to, Need to look up and yeah, give it a go. Tell me your number seven, guy. The thick of it. That's my number seven as well. Right, we can do oh. this in a one -er. Yeah, <laughs> I picked it. It turns swearing into an art form. You've got Peter Capaldi in his best in a career best performance as Malcolm Tucker. It's so funny, and they filmed a bit of it at Brighouse train station. So it's, yeah, you're absolutely right. It is, it is brilliantly hilarious. Uh, what a combination of writers you have on that as well. You know, people like, uh, Jesse Armstrong and Tony Roach and Simon Blackwell, just absolute powerhouses of, uh, of British comedy. Everyone puts in a, top-notch performance even he whose name shall not be mentioned from the first series does that kind of put a black mark against it or can you still watch that first series i think you can still watch that first series but i think obviously there will, there will unfortunately there will always be that black mark and they managed to do the two specials and the other two series without him so it's not too much of a you know thank goodness it wasn't just that one series mm -hmm. And eminently quotable as well. I'm really looking forward to yes. when when we do in the loop and our introductions for each other because I'm going to have pages long of ways I could introduce you. I think I'm, I'm sure. Me too. Versa. What's your favourite episode? Oh, off, oh god, off top. I do like. Um, what's the one where Tucker positions Rebecca Front's character in front of that sign? So it's, mm, where it says, it says something. Of, I am bent. Yeah, it? yeah. Yeah, that, I think that one, and I like the one where 
um, Blinky Ben, and I'm gonna what shove a tiny what na- nano iPod up your cock. And <laughs> that that episode where they prep him to go on Newsnight, and it's a disaster. Well, that's I think that's from the second series, isn't it? Uh, but the, the other one he mentions is from the third, or they're both from the yeah. third. It's from this one of the specials. Yes, the, right. those two specials. It's from one of the specials. Is that? And I think yeah, I think that third series the Nicola Murray one is, is the best. And but yeah, my favorite episode is from that, the one where they're at radio five, her and Peter Mannion. I was just going to say, I was just going to say that was one as well. Cause my favorite line is fuck off bag puss to, to Glenn. <laughs> one, of my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite lines in that is uh, in the words of Shakespeare's sister, your history. <laughs> <laughs> we could just talk about thick of it episodes all day, but unfortunately we can't. So number six is, spaced higher on my list uh but yes go ahead yeah so i just you loved the obviously the the references to movies i think we all enjoyed spotting those ones as we were watching it it also made you think of things that you tell your friends as well so you know if you're in a situation you'd be like oh like when i used to work in retail and a guy you I used to serve like Vigo the Carpathian from Ghostbusters 2. So that kind of reference and how they bring things alive from like Apocalypse Now or One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It's just so well written as well. You've got great guest stars. The editing, the bit with tires and the phone and everything's going and he starts dancing. Just, yeah. I think brilliant. possibly more than any other sitcom, for me, it's well, actually maybe, maybe there's, there's, there's one other. For me, really for really immersing you in that group of characters and mm. almost like they're your friends, which uh, that makes me sound yeah. like a bit of a weirdo, but you know, that's, that's how it feels no. for me. And it has, it has cutting, it has cutting edge. It has brilliant direction. It has um, references to a, a whole host of movies, but then also it has the classic sitcom dynamic and it has the, 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 gives you the warm feeling the very last episode always makes me uh well up even though it's it's not even particularly sad it just has this kind of warm melancholy to it that oh yeah that's over uh, i love it yeah me too and i think another thing is it's one of maybe the first sitcoms that editing was used for jokes mm-hmm. yeah. you know the way that certain things you know when when brian talks about oh well what do you paint and then it'd have those Edgar Wright editing techniques that would joke within itself that I can't think of many sitcoms that would do that. Uh, What's your number six? Uh, My number six is The Office. We touched on uh, Ricky Gervais earlier on. Yes, easily, easily the best thing he's ever done. Uh, Again, kind of what we're saying about space, kind of welcomed into the world of those characters. It's proof, if it were ever needed, that, Ricky Gervais needs Stephen Merchant as collaborator. Mm. Those those characters are so brilliantly realised. All of them, you know, uh, you know, particularly Brent. Um, not so easy to watch in the way that Spaced is. I I couldn't continue to just rewatch it and rewatch it. I have to kind of have longer breaks between, especially the second series, which is just jam packed full of pathos. Yeah. Um, but the, I mean, particularly the quiz episode is just, it's just one of the, one of the, uh, shining lights of, uh, British sitcom. I'd imagine, I'm guessing, well, cause you've not mentioned it yet. It's, it's higher up your list, is it? 
yeah, it's it's near the top on on my list, so I'm not going to say too much on it um, at the moment. But yeah, it's it is great, and I, I yeah, I'd agree. And I think you look at what Ricky Gervais has done since Extras was was good, but not as good. But everything seems to have got, got worse. Diminishing returns, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and I hated Afterlife with a yeah, passion. Me too. Me too. Yeah, I hate Afterlife and, and and all the stand up he's done recently. He's he's just become a bit of a. Uh, parody of himself where are we up to number five away your number five yeah well i i will just say that my number five is spaced and i've i've i feel like i've yeah. said what i want to say about spaced what's your number five so my number five is phoenix knights yes brilliant so do, what, what do you have to add to what i said about phoenix knights i just think it kind of sums up that kind of the north really well i love the like the robot wars episode you know all this sort of naff stuff as well the characters the bit where he falls in love and then he finds out that she works for the what is it dss who are yeah who are investigating him that that episode is just one of the 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 montage the the kind of rom-com montage of those two is one of the funniest things that's ever been on tv the the rose for the the comic timing of rose for the lady and he swallows his food fuck off yeah (laughs) most perfect the bit on the stair lift yeah the stair uh, lift the things i'm gonna do to you That whole episode, and speaking of the the quiz episode from The Office, the quiz episode from Phoenix Knights is genius as well. Yeah, exactly. My uh, my one th- my one criticism of it is how good series one looks, and series two, when Peter K took over directing, looks a lot mm. more polished and a lot more like a sitcom. Whereas the first one had that grainy kind of sixteen millimeter look that it kind of it doesn't ruin series two because there's so many great bits in series two as well you know it's it's brilliant but i just feel that it kind of it just shows peter k's kind of tendency to go more for the kind of light entertainment audience thing rather than being kind of more niche mm-hmm. um the alternative comedy night episode as well oh, God, is a, that's is so a great brilliant. one so brilliant. yeah i've met it. a couple of those people there's the a lot of bitterness in my life, lots of bitterness in my life. That guy, yeah. is that, I think that might be a guy called Mick Artistic, or unless I'm confusing him with, with somebody else. But I, yeah, I, I've worked with that guy. And you had, oh, um, yeah, Daniel Kitson as well. His only TV performance, one of the greats of British stand-up that unfortunately yeah. not many people will see because he doesn't publicise his work. Yeah. But uh, what's your number five, Rob? Oh, well, my number five was Spaced. Uh, my number four, now we're getting into one of my absolute favourites. And even now looking at it now and going, how is this only number four? Uh, I've, maybe I'm having second thoughts. No, 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 stick with it at four. It's Men Behaving Badly. Oh, uh, you yes. can listen to me talk about how much I love Men Behaving Badly in our episode on Staggered. Uh, but just the, the, the highlights for me. I mean, obviously, the, we're discounting series one, I think. It's all mm. from Neil Morrissey onwards, and actually most of the series two when it was still ITV. It's just so much brilliant quotable stuff. I, I I think, you know, a lot of people say, and again, I, I've covered this in the Staggered episode, but a lot of people say that it's not aged well, but actually I think that those people have kind of missed the point as to what these characters are and the, mm. the, 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 the butt of the jokes so much quotable stuff it's it's a real comfort watch for me whenever i'm just at a loose end to what to watch it's one along with the 
the three I'm about to say as well, I can just throw on at any time and always make me laugh. Yeah. It's not made my top 10, but yeah, I, I love it. It's one of the first comedies I ever got into and going back to it, I think, like I said, in the staggered episode, it was really refreshing to go back and watch it all again and find that it's aged really well. The performances are brilliant. And apart from that first series and probably the second series, there's so many classic episodes that, yeah, it's a great watch and I would recommend it to anyone. I, I have actually recommended it recently to some people and gone, you want to watch Men Behaving Badly because it's better than people will tell you. Oh, absolutely. What's what's your number four, Guy? Um, so my number four is I'm Alan Partridge. Which let's let's get both... into it now because it's my well I'll I'll tell you what number it is in a minute. Okay, so yeah, we've both talked. We're both massive Steve Coogan fans, but I'm Alan Partridge is for me his best work. I think that particularly, like I remember watching those first episodes, particularly the one where you know unfortunately meets the notorious bigot Graham Linehan, but that one with the Irish you know, there's more to Ireland than this. And talking about men in platform shoes being arrested for bombings and badly tarmac drives in this, you know, the whole, that whole bit that he goes on is just terrific. If, if this was characters, then Alan Partridge would be at the top. I do think, I mean, I, I am a Steve Coogan completist. Uh, yeah, but yes, I do think particularly the first series of I'm Alan Partridge is, is probably his best. There was a time where I could quote every single episode of I'm Alan Partridge back to front. I'm probably too old <laughs> to be able to do that now and uh, don't have it all to hand, but it's, it's so good. And mm. everything that character's done, I, I think the, yeah, the, the only thing that would uh, keep it from being even higher for me is that he's done all these other things as Partridge as well. And so yeah. it doesn't get lost in the middle in the milieu, but it um it's it's kind of complemented by things like Mid Morning Matters and Alpha Papa and this time, all of which are brilliant as well. Yeah, because I think that there was obviously a time when we only had the first series and it was such a break and then we had the second series. Mm. And then you kind of felt like you might not do Partridge again it, for a time because he didn't do it for so long. So we just had those two series and they're both brilliant and how they move that character on, you know, from, from, you know, him living at a, a hotel to then in a caravan with his Ukrainian girlfriend and trying to con her that this is a house where you two wrote Joshua tree and things like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely love and adore Alan Partridge. It's not my number four. Uh, and it's not my number three either because my number three is red dwarf which uh, if you would have asked me at the time of this poll in 2004, I would have said it was my number one. That's when I started buying buying them all on DVD. I remember first watching, first watching them on VHS at my uh, cousin's house. Series They had series one and series three on VHS. Series three, still easily the best um the best series for me has all of the best episodes in it, particularly Marooned and Polymorph. Um, but this is the one I was talking about that whereby more than half of its series are bad because beyond series, series one to six are, are perfection. Mm. Series seven to however many they've done now, 12, 13, not so good. And again, and again the kind of, severing a, a comedy collaboration in Rob Grant and Doug Naylor 
makes it you just lose you lose way more than just the 50 percent that you're hacking off um but i want to say good things about it because it's number because despite all of that series one to six are so good it was it's yeah 35th anniversary i think recently a couple of weeks ago and there was lots of discussion on twitter about it being you know like rimmer being a kind of early example of an incel and lots of kind of uh discussions about um uh those those kind of proto character archetypes and yeah that's that's bang on i think arnold rimmer is one of the the greatest comedy creations who you know Mm -hmm. someone who is so loathsome on the face of it can still you can still have so much warmth to him as a character uh they they're arguably the best two-hander in sitcom history for me and i it's just perfect and talking of things that i can watch to make me feel good series one to six of red dwarf will always be there yeah, it's it's brilliant. Again, it's not made my top 10, but it was the first comedy that I remember getting into on my own watching the Inquisitor episode. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be more like a kind of British Star Trek or something because I love Star Trek at that age and then watched it and was just like, no, this is just so good. So funny. Uh, yeah, you're completely right. I was thinking about the Time, slide epi- time Slides episode the oh, other day. Such, and the, such a good episode. And I was doing the, um, the bit where Rimmer repeats Lister where Lister's, in one of them is dating some, you know, good looking like model. Sabrina Mulholland Jones. That's it. Sabrina Mulholland Jones is me bird. <laughs> <laughs> I still, I, yeah, I always say me bird all me the time bird. when referring to my partner, me bird. Yeah. <laughs> and they should have ended it in series six because I love the idea that Arnold Rimmer, the ultimate coward, saves the universe. Mm. And the fact that they didn't is I mean, there, there are so many brilliant episodes to name, but a few quarantine hollow ship. Mm. Um, the, I think the one that won the poll of the best episodes was the horseman of the apocalypse. Brilliant oh, yeah. episodes. Backwards is so good. And then the, there's some brilliant stuff from series one and two future echoes. You um, have tenet without <laughs> backwards. Yes, yeah, exactly. And some of the ideas they were playing with in terms of how complicated uh, some of these plot lines were it really, really combined classic British sitcom with, with sci-fi really well. And mm. yeah, I, I love it. What's your number three? My number three is peep show. Okay. I just feel it's that show that defines my mine and my friend's humor. I think it's the show. It's the show that I can put on with friends. If you don't know what to watch, and you can just put a random Pete Show episode on and it is great. I feel very much like Mark Corrigan. I used to look like him when I had hair. And <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone, yeah, well, yeah, th- this will be a conversation for when we talk about Peep Show a bit more, perhaps when we talk about the magicians, but it's one of those where are you a Mark or a Jeremy? And I think the, the creators uh, of Peep Show have talked about, you know, these two characters, one worries too much and the other doesn't worry enough. And <laughs> the perfect, uh, perfect yes. summary of those two characters. I think it really sums up the kind of 20, 21st century angst really well. And there's so many great episodes, particularly I really like series three and series three gets a lot of criticism nowadays, but that's always one of my favorite ones. You know, the one where Mark pretends to do drugs at the clubbing, you know, when they go clubbing and then, 
because I'm putting Radio 4 on and we're having toast. And I don't know why anyone would have, have it in for Series 3 because there are some brilliant, brilliant episodes in Series 3. Uh, yeah. Jeremy, uh, Jeremy's threesome. Yeah, that's a, that's a brilliant episode as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's higher up my list. We're going to get to it in, the, in a minute. Uh, my number two, so I think you, you're going to know which number it is now because my number two is I'm Alan Partridge. Um, I said, like, we're, we're going to talk a lot more about a lot of these shows when we, when we uh, talk in main episodes. So I, I, I don't want to get too into it, but it is, for a long time, it was just perfect and still is. And that character is just the greatest comedy creation ever. Mm. British. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, God, yeah, the, we could go on a lot. If God, imagine if we included American sitcoms well, as well. This will be a separate, a separate conversation. I think top ten. Yeah, American definitely. Sitcoms. Yeah, that that's one. Way, I think we should do it at a later date. My number two is Faulty Towers, and this was a difficult choice for me because I love Faulty Towers, love John Cleese. Although it's harder to love John John Cleese nowadays than it was uh, a while back, but. I just think it's brilliant. I love how each episode starts off relatively calm and just builds this huge crescendo of rage. And the episode with Mrs. Richards, the deaf old lady is one of the best and the Waldorf salad one, two of the best sitcom episodes of anything. I think Waldorf salad is, uh, yeah, a absolute uh, pinnacle of of British sitcom. But yeah, for me, it's just not, it just doesn't quite make my, make my top 10 but again it's one of those where i would say who am i to argue yeah exactly and i always had a weird thing for sybil faulty as well which <laughs> can't can't say why but yeah why for not? whatever reason great hair great exactly great hair and um yeah maybe it's just the way she says puzzle <laughs> what's your number two well my number two is i'm alan partridge oh sorry my, yeah my number one is peep show i oh. think it is flaw- more than any other sitcom that we've talked about today. It is flawless. Every single series, like nothing has been able to go on for that long without compromising quality in any way, shape or form. Mm. Even, even the final series is, is as good as, as everything else. Yeah. They are Jesse Armstrong and Sam Bain are two of the best comedy writers to have, have ever lived. And by virtue of the fact that look at what they've gone on to do and the other things that that they've worked on as well. They are two of the most, two of the best realized characters. I think all the supporting characters are incredible as well. Yeah. And and they all, they're all horrible shits as well. the, the, The supporting characters. You're always, even though Mark and Jeremy are as well, you're always on their side. I mean, I'm, again, I'm going to properly go into bat for peep show when we when we talk about the magicians. But mm. I can at any given time I can watch any given episode of peep show. Me but too. my fa- my favorite is uh, Mark Stag on the longboat. Mm. Oh the yes, mummy, 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 just mummy. just perfect and so tightly scripted. It's uh, it's the best as far as I'm concerned. It's amazing. It's not quite the best. And this was a really difficult decision for me, but the best sitcom for me is The Office. I just think it changed the game. I remember first watching it and not getting it when it first aired on 
2001 on the BBC two, and then slowly got into it as I kind of got used to that humor. And the episode with the training day is <laughs> one of the best sitcom episodes of all time. Go get the guitar. And the bit, you know, about getting, getting the, the people's attention about, and then some of the complaints will be false. <laughs> he, that episode is, is Brent at his most annoying, isn't it? But also yeah. probably his funniest as well. I bet mm. he's just so, you're just feeling so sorry for that character who's come in to Is it Warren? Give that is that talk. what they call it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's yeah. also uh, from the thick of it, isn't he? He's yeah. the Tory spin doctor in the thick of it. Yeah, that's but, yeah, right. I mean... Okay, I can't argue with choosing the office as, num- as number one. It's in in most ways flawless. It's got a bit, yeah. I, I, again, there's not a bad episode. Two series, Christmas special, and out. We'll ignore the film for now. Um, as at that as have that as a footnote. But so many bit. I mean, how it understands the human condition and Brent, like particularly series two when he's he's losing his power and his authority. Mm-hmm. And then he's saying about how like he was going to have a fight and put put someone through a wall and stuff like that. Do you know when I mean? he's talking, saying about how the Swindon lot was slagging them all off and just slugs. Like, yeah, yeah. That's your little slugs. <laughs> <No> personalities. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the, that oh, it's excruciating when he first meets the Swindon lot and he tries doing his joke about 15 quid's worth of damage and, and everything and no one's laughing and it's like, oh. Well, how fitting that you've picked The Office as your number one on the day that we lost Ewan McIntosh, who played Big Keith in The Office. Mm. He's seen some of the funniest in in the entire sitcom. Uh, so yeah, maybe I mean, we can dedicate this episode to uh, to Big Keith. Yeah, let's yeah let's do it. It seems fitting because I I think from what I was reading, he wasn't meant to have as big a role as he did, and I think they gave him a a couple of lines, and Gervais and Merchant were so taken with what he could do that he got more. More, more material given. Yeah. Some, some of those scenes as well. Amazing. It's, um, what I'm really glad about guys that there's quite a lot of crossover in our top tens. We're on the same page about a lot of stuff. We, we've both got the office peep show spaced. I'm Alan Partridge, the thick of it. Phoenix night. So similar top tens. I'm happy about that. Yeah, I'm happy. It was, it was nice as well. They're not too similar. It's nice to, reminisce about red dwarf and then bathing badly and also find out a little bit more about keeping up appearances which i need to go away and watch and i also want to give a shout out to one that didn't make my top 10 babes in the wood babes in the woods i mean that will be forever a uh, a shadow across this podcast but th- those are our top 10s um please um Please engage with us argue with us tell us we're wrong tell us we're right we'd love to hear more from you about what are your top tens Mm. and we will be back in the spring in april with episode one of series two which i've I've already alluded to will be on porridge so uh very excited to be starting our regular episodes again looking forward to that i think it's going to be great we've got an exciting series two planned with some uh, exciting guests as well so looking forward to getting into some more britcoms with you robin some of the people we've got on coming up yeah please do uh keep a lookout for the new series starting in april until then i will see you then guy yeah see you then rob thanks thank you for listening to britcom goes to the movies with guy walker and rob heath thanks to mark phillips for the podcast artwork you can get in touch with us by emailing britcomgoes at gmail.com 
or you can find us on Instagram and Twitter as at BritcomGoes. And don't forget to check out the Britcom Goes to the Movies playlist on Spotify and Amazon Music. Please like, subscribe and review so that others can find the podcast and we'll see you on the next episode.